This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Back for another edition of the MVFC First and Goal podcast. I'm Kelly Burke, and we have a very highly anticipated matchup coming up this weekend between second-ranked North Dakota State and eighth-ranked Youngstown State. Uh, so only appropriate that we welcome in Jeremy Jorgensen. He's the assistant AD of Strategic Partnerships for North Dakota State, among many other jobs. So, Jeremy, I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Yeah, it's great to be on here. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, before we jump into your background, um, you know, I want to get your take right now on the Missouri Valley Football Conference six weeks into the season. You know, is this the best that you can remember the conference top to bottom? Yeah, this is my 11th year, uh, you know, covering the conference here at NDSU, and I, I would say it's the deepest it's been. Um, you know, I think uh, there's really six teams. I think it's going to put the committee in a tough spot right now. Would they ever put six teams in from a conference? I don't know, but, uh, you know, it might uh, come to that, to where they might have to consider that. Uh, you know, we've had five before, uh, but I think there might be six worthy teams this year. So, yeah, I think depth-wise, I mean, there's been great teams over the years, but I think depth-wise, this is probably the deepest it's been. You know, the Bison take an 11-game road win streak into Youngstown State. You know, why do you feel like this team is so good on the road? You know, I've been on every road trip in the last 11 years, and it's the same every week. It's total routine. It's business. How they travel, we almost leave at the exact same time uh, on Friday afternoon, no matter where we go. Friday night, there's no messing around. These guys are all business. They go to the stadium the same day. They don't do a walkthrough. I mean, it is total routine. And I, I think that's a big deal, um, you know, and just how serious they are on the road. And I think they get them all collectively together and there's not the distractions. You know, I think I think at home here at NDSU, we have probably more distractions than some FCS teams do. It is quite a circus on game day here with tailgate you know family members here the size of the crowd uh, you know the opponent gets up to play here in Fargo so I think sometimes going on the road is good for these guys to really compartmentalize things and you know be together in the hotel room and I think they enjoy it you know for people that are outside Fargo you know would you say is, is this football program is it is it very comparable to how a professional NFL team is run just you know you, you talked about just the the routine part of it and I mean from an outsider's perspective it kind of seems like that yeah I've traveled with other teams before in my career and uh, it certainly is not like this uh, you know it, it, this is much more organized uh, there's much more put into the travel. Everyone has a job. Everyone knows their role, whether it's the person lining up the dinners, uh, the travel, the hotel. Uh, you know, we usually send someone out ahead to, to check out the hotel. And the hotels are always like, man, we never have teams do this. So I think we do operate a, a little bit different, certainly than teams that I've been with, for sure. You know, compare this year's Bison team to the five national championship teams from this decade. It feels the same, um, you know, it just how good they are, how focused they are. 
Um, you know, uh, obviously I was here for all the championship teams and this feels the same. Um, even though we didn't, w- didn't win it last year, um, it didn't really change the mentality around here. The goals are still the same. The intensity is still the same. Passion's still there from the fan base. Uh, it feels exactly the same as it did those years. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you wear so many hats uh, on an yeah. everyday basis. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to read some of these off a list right here because I don't know <laughs> that I can keep track of everything. Um, so in the athletic department, you supervise the multimedia department at NDSU, which shout out to, to Ryan Nelson because yeah. uh, he's, uh, he's my guy. He does, he does a great job with the video stuff. Uh, you manage media sales, the Bison Radio Network, and all media rights contracts. And then you also co-host a daily radio show with the voice of the Bison, Jeff Colhane. Uh, you're yep. the sideline reporter on football broadca- broadcasts. You're the color yep. commentator or color analyst <laughs> for basketball broadcasts. You host the coaches show. You know, I say this in jest, but, but when do you sleep? Um, yeah. And how do you juggle all the different responsibilities you have, but do it at a very high level. Well, you know, I think uh, my experience, uh, you know, in my background, uh, being a TV uh, sports anchor for affiliated stations uh, and, and in smaller markets where I really learned time management, uh, you know, I didn't have a four or five person sports staff at some of the network affiliates that I worked for. I, I really did learn how to do stuff on my own learn time management. And I think that is certainly carried over into this position where I can juggle a lot of things. And I think the thing that helps me too is a lot of the media stuff comes natural for me. You know, I don't have to prepare a ton. Um, You know, I, I just you know, the camera comes on, the mic comes on, and, and that's kind of natural for me, whereas I think uh, for a lot of people that that wouldn't be the case. I think that helps me, um, you know, and I have a lot of uh, knowledge uh, just floating around in my head. I don't have to do a lot of prep work for the radio show. Uh, you know, Jeff kind of tees it up and schedules that out. So, you know, I show up two minutes before, two minutes after I'm gone and back doing this job. And, you know, I have it pretty regimented. And I just, I guess uh, time management is one of my strengths uh, back to my TV days. You know, you alluded to it that, you know, you're a former TV sportscaster locally in a number of different markets. But what was that transition like, you know, going from local TV to then working for a college athletic department? And I, and I know you've been at North Dakota State now a while, but. Yeah. No, I think it really helped me. Um, you know, I've seen both sides of it now. Um, you know, right before I came to NDSU, I was at uh, the University of Montana. I was the sports anchor for the CBS affiliate, and they had the contract with Montana. So I saw the contract management from the media side of it. Now I'm the, the contract management from the uh, university side of it. And I think all that kind of wraps together. Um, you know, I, so I think it's definitely helped me uh, seeing it from the other side and now being internally inside the university and the athletic department. Uh, all my media experience has, has really helped me. You're also one of the, the main people involved in scheduling, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the football scheduling. So how, how difficult is it to get teams to play North Dakota State, especially at the FBS level now? It's pretty hard, uh, you know, and the football scheduling, uh, you know, I really enjoy it. But with, with my busy schedule, anytime I have any downtime, I immediately work on football scheduling. So it really doesn't allow for any flexibility in the schedule. Whenever I have downtime, it's football scheduling. So my days are, are pretty full. I do spend quite a bit of time on football scheduling. Um, you know, it is hard. Uh, it's getting harder and harder. Um, I think uh, right now, even the lower level FCS teams don't really want to come to Fargo, whereas <laughs> they, they used to. Yeah. FBS teams don't really want to schedule us. Um, yeah, so it makes it hard. But, you know, we're 
we're still navigating around it. Uh, you know, just finished the 18 and 19 schedule and pretty pretty proud of the the FCS teams that we have coming in here in the non-conference. Uh, pretty good teams. Even though we don't have an FBS team, we're getting power conference teams from the FCS uh, to come here. So we'll somehow, some way, we're making it work so far. You know, and how happy were you to see the, the ban kind of lifted from the Big Ten about scheduling FCS teams again? I was really excited, actually. In fact, I was jumping for joy, but then I found out that the Big Ten West is even years and the Big Ten East is odd years, and we had our even years scheduled out through 2026 for FBS games. So. Oh, jeez. So it was kind of a bad break in that regard for us, but it did bring more people to the table. And, you know, now that the Big Ten is playing FCS, um, even if they don't take us, they take someone else and that frees up somebody else in the group of five or somewhere down the line, another power five team. So all in all, it helps us. But we certainly, you know, Big Ten West, those are the teams in our footprint. That's Nebraska, Wisconsin, the Gophers. uh, And we can't really uh, lock into them now until 2026, but we'll give it a whirl. Yeah. You know, North Dakota State's radio and TV network is extensive. Um, What kind of behind-the-scenes work goes into that every year? Oh, a lot. Uh, You know, when I got here, we had uh, three radio affiliates. Now we have 24. Uh, We have a Minneapolis radio affiliate. Uh, You know, I think the first five or six, seven years maybe of the 11 years that I've been here was really locking that in and growing that because there was an opportunity to grow that right away. There's so much interest in the state of North Dakota. I think there was uh, stations out there that really wanted to carry it. So we kind of built that up to probably a dozen right away and then started backfilling with some uh, Western Minnesota, Minneapolis, um, and now we have a great network right now. It's unbelievable. It's, we don't have any holes in the state, uh, western Minnesota and Minneapolis, so that's fantastic. And, you know, the, the TV coverage was a big thing, too, right away. So I'd say in the first six to seven years is when that really, really grew. You know, how has the success, you know, of the football program and just the, the bar and standard that they've set permeated to the expectations you guys have for the radio and TV networks? you know, and for what you're doing. Yeah, you know, uh, when I was at Montana, uh, you know, they had it rolling there. They had every game on TV, and that's the model I brought here because I, at the time I came here, the the model was fewer games on TV to sell out the stadium. That's the model that everybody had. You know, if it's on TV, fewer people are going to come to the game. My mentality was the exact opposite. If you get it on TV, more people will want to come to that and see that environment And I think that's what happened. It happened in Montana. I brought that to NDSU. We got every game on TV right away. Then that brought people in the state who normally couldn't see the game or get to a game, watch it on TV, think it was really cool. And now we've just sold out every game every year. And it kind of all worked together. Uh, So, yeah, I think the interest of the fans uh, needed to be fed. There's no question. I think we can't give them enough information right now. So, you know, we're trying daily talk shows. We got the new radio agreement. Uh, the show that Jeff and I do is new. It's doing well. Uh, we just can't do enough for them. And uh, that's great. It's great that everybody wants it. Uh, you know, apathy is the biggest fear in college athletics. We certainly do not have that here. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. Well, my conversation with Jeremy Jorgensen is just getting started. But if you're enjoying this edition of the MBFC First and Gold podcast, Check out all the lineup media group offerings, sports and non-sports podcasts. Now back to the show. You know, I feel like there's this this bias um, against sideline reporters uh, that their <laughs> roles are, you know, unnecessary. And so can you enlighten people just on what exactly goes into that role? You know, what what specifically you are looking for in game from a radio perspective 
and why the job is much more difficult than people think. Well, I think what makes it tougher to be a sideline reporter is you got to do interviews. Um, you know, calling a game, you're just up there watching the game, calling it, and that's tough in its own right. You got to memorize all the players. But I think the sideline reporting, the interview aspect of it, whether it's pregame, halftime, postgame, you're interviewing the coach, and oftentimes there's elements in there, whether it's a close game, there was a controversial call, what do you ask the coach? Um, you know, and certainly I'm really close with Coach Kleiman, so I really have to walk the line there, you know, is, is what I'm going to ask. And, and, you know, he trusts me what I'm going to ask, and it's, it's a great relationship. But I think the sideline reporting as far as, you know, what you're going to ask and the interview aspect of it makes it hard because not everyone can interview people. That's a that's a skill that uh, takes a lot of work. Uh, it takes a lot of, uh, I, th I think, uh, background checking and, and doing all kinds of different things to make it work because uh, the line of questioning is important. It can sound bad if you're not ready. Well, and, and no doubt. And then you're also dealing, you know, with coaches that, like you said, some very emotional coaches that, you know, they hate interviews to begin with, let alone doing yeah. them in games. And so you're dealing with kind of a Greg Popovich situation where, yep. you know, what do you ask him so that, that they just don't go nuts on you? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think uh, my media background helps in that. Uh, so that's another thing that I think I bring to the table is I have the background with inter interviewing people. We don't have to train someone in. Uh, you know, I can just lock myself into that and we don't have to worry about it. Uh, you know, I'm already part of the department. We don't have to hire it out or outsource it. Uh, so it's actually worked out pretty well. Um, you know, I, I don't always ask the right question. There's no perfect science to it. Uh, nobody's perfect. Uh, but yeah, I think that makes it very, very difficult. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to interview a coach in a one point game. They're walking off the field all emotional and it's tough sometimes. You know, you mentioned Coach Kleiman, and, and I'm curious, you know, Coach Bull obviously had a lot of success while he was there, but what has enabled Coach Kleiman to continue that same level of success and, and keep building the program up? Because you don't, you don't very often have that carryover from one coach to the next to, to continually be at that high, high level. Uh, he's so grounded. He's so humble. I think his personality really resonates. Um, you know, for me, he's very easy to work with. I think for if I'm a top prospect high school kid that plays, you know, good football is getting recruited and he's in my home, I'd certainly want my kids to play for him. I mean, he's a he's a great guy. I think his personality is his, his greatest asset, and I think he knows how to hire good coaches. Coach Bowl was very good at putting a staff together. So is Coach Kleiman. I think that's a pretty underrated part. I mean, I think we have the best quarterback coach in the country in Randy Hedberg, who was at uh, Southern Illinois for a long time. Um, you know, guys like that, finding guys like that, good coordinators that mesh with his personality – he has a real knack for that, uh, and I think his personality is really fantastic, helps in recruiting, and helps us all who work with him. You know, somebody told me that your nickname is Jeremy Brackets um, because <laughs> you're an expert in FCS college football. And so do you, you – you kind of talked a little bit about it already in the beginning of the show that, you know, do you see a scenario where six teams will get into the postseason this year? Um, and also, is it safe to consider you kind of the, the Joe Lenardi <laughs> of FCS college football? Well, I think the funny thing about me is, you know, I grew up in Montana, uh, so I've grown up with FCS football my whole life. Uh, Montana, Montana State, you know, I followed it since I was a little kid. You know, some people follow the FBS. I follow the FBS, too. I'm a sports fan. But I think I've been kind of uh, centralized into the FCS since I was born, so it's just... Uh, 
I don't know, it's kind of wrapped into all this knowledge that I have. And, uh, you know, I think I have a, a keen knowledge for how the bracket is put together and the selection committee and the trends that go way, way back. Um, I don't think the Valley will get six. Uh, this is my opinion, but I, I just feel like the committee will never put six teams from one conference into a 2014 bracket. I think, you know, I don't think it was really well liked when two teams from one conference went all the way to the championship game. They put us all on one side one year, five teams on one side. M mixing up six teams from one conference, I think, is something they don't want to mess around with. Yeah. You know, because of the physical nature of Youngstown State, especially their offensive line and, and also their ability to run the ball, would you consider this weekend's game the toughest opponent the Bison will play this regular season? And obviously I'm sure you'll get an argument from South Dakota State and South Dakota and, you know, several of the other teams in the Valley. I think it's the toughest team as far as uh, physicality. Uh, it may not be the toughest game as far as pre preparation and style of play, but as far as physicality during the game and the battle that's going on in the trenches and on the line, yeah, I think it is the toughest team uh, in that regard. I mean, Youngstown's very physical. I think the team has taken on Bo Pelini's personality. There's no question. You know, I follow Nebraska football. I, one of my TV jobs uh, was at Nebraska. I was the practice reporter for an ABC station for Husker football. Nice. I know what it's all about down there. Uh, and so I follow Bo Pelini's career at Nebraska, and I know how he operates, and I think he's a perfect fit for Youngstown, and I think the team has taken on his personality. You know, you said you're from Montana and spent mm -hmm. time as the voice of the Grizzlies. You know, what similarities mm -hmm. and differences do you see, see between those two powerhouse programs? You know, it's, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of similarities. I think the fan bases have a lot of similarities. Very passionate. Uh, you know, I think the, the whole state gets behind Grizzly football, kind of like the whole state gets behind Bison football here. They're bordering states. You know, every year there's a high school all-star game between Montana and North Dakota. There's tons of ties between the programs. Uh, you know, we don't butt heads with them too much in recruiting as far as Grizz and Bison. Uh, maybe more and more now. Uh, but I think the passions of the program is unmatched in the FCS. It, it's incredible. You know, I've been at a lot of Grizz games. I've been at a lot of Bison games. And uh, I think the passion of the fans and I think how important football is, is very similar in, in both places. And, and Montana's going through some tough times uh, the last three or four years. But it's still important to them. And they'll find a way to work out of it. I believe that. You know, and this, this may be stating the obvious, but do you think that the passion of those fan bases, besides the fact both programs, you know, obviously Montana was really good and, and like you said, has, has struggled more as of late, but is it a function as simple as the fact that there's not professional a professional sports team in the state? I think there's something to that. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, there's not a lot of competition for the recruits. You know, for Montana, they built their program on Montana high school kids. Uh, here at NDSU, we get the top shelf uh, North Dakota kids right now. Um, I think that swells up the state pride. And then there is no pro sports team. So you're the only game in town. It's a lot like uh, I, I always compare us to Nebraska because uh, Nebraska, there's no pro sports team there. They're the game in the state. The passion is there. So at the FBS level, our FBS comparison here at NDSU, I think, is Nebraska. And I think Montana has the same situation as the Bison do in Montana. So, yeah, I think there is something to that. You know, what do you feel like is the biggest thing that's allowed North Dakota State to continually maintain you know, the, the top tier level of success? I think it's the fact that they have continued their style of play. 
Um, you know, you see schools around the country who go through a coaching change, the style of play changes. I think Montana's had a little bit of that from, from Bobby Houck, who was really tough to their current staff right now, who likes to throw it around a little bit. NDSU has never lost its identity. Tough football, like to run. They like to play good defense. No matter who the coach is, the style of play stays the same. And I think that's allowed them to get the same type of kid, upper, you know, northern tier kids who are tough kids, farm kids. You know, we're the ag school. I think that plays into it a little bit. Uh, we get some tough kids. These linemen from North Dakota that are big kids come right off the farm and they're tough as nails. And I think that's how uh, they've been able to do it as style of play. What do you think the Bison football program is comparable to in terms of dynasties and other sports? You know, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, this run that the Bison have been on, I don't know if it'll ever be matched. I mean, five straight titles. And even though we didn't win it last year, still got to the semifinals. Yeah. We're certainly a contender this year. You know, everyone says, oh, the run ended last year. I don't see it that way. I see like this run is still going on. I mean, we were 12-2 and two and went to the semis last year. That's not the end of a run. The end of a run would be a 7-4 and four bubble team or a 6-5 and five and miss the playoffs. That's the end of a run. I don't see that happening anytime soon. This run continues. And as long as it has gone on, I, I think sets it apart from anything else that's ever been out there. There's this tendency, I feel like, when, you know, especially F FCS teams, when you when you reach a certain level of success, you know, there's been a number of programs that have wanted to, to jump to the FBS level, and then they, they have and not necessarily had success at those ranks. Do you see any scenario you know, even 20 years from now where North Dakota State would ever explore going to the FBS level? You know, that's a great question, too. It gets asked a lot around here as far as if we would ever uh, make that move. You know, I think the, the climate of college football, who knows what it's going to be like in 10 years? Uh, who, know, who knows what it's going to look like? So it's really hard to predict. Uh, I think a lot goes into FBS versus FCS with the scholarships and coaches' salaries and recruiting budgets, and there's so many things that uh, go on there. I, I'm not sure, um, you know, what it's going to look like in 5, 10, 15 years. We'll see what happens, uh, but you never know. You know, I'm told you are a Cincinnati Reds fan, a big Gonzaga <laughs> basketball fan, Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> and then obviously the Huskers you mentioned which is yeah. it's a very interesting combination. So how did it how did it play out that it's all those different teams? You know, what what sport is your favorite? Well, you know, you know, growing up in Montana, I was kind of a free agent uh, just because we don't have any pro sports teams. So uh, I have a lot of ties to Cincinnati because a, a family, um, the Cincinnati Reds have a minor league team in Billings. Uh, so we have a lot of uh, uh, ties there. Our family does to the Reds. I've liked them my whole life. Um, you know, Huskers, I kind of got tied into the Husker Nation down there when I was covering them. And it, it really does uh, suck you in. And it's really fun to pay attention to. And I've never really lost that. Gonzaga, I think uh, proximity again, uh, you know, Spokane being out by uh, Montana a little bit and the Edmonton Oilers uh, right north of Montana. So even though we don't have a team there, geography plays into it and family ties play into it, certainly with the Cincinnati Reds. What's your favorite sport? Ah, uh, you know, I, I, I like them all. I, I probably, you know, basketball and football and baseball are my three favorite. They're probably all tied. I don't know if I would uh, give anyone the nod as far as which one I like better, but those three are probably my favorite. Something about the North, North Dakota State football program that most fans don't realize. Um, you know, I... 
I think people in the conference know about how loud the dome is and, and our tailgating. I, I think our tailgating is very unique, sets us apart. Um, and, and until teams come here and experience it, I don't think you can really explain it to them. Um, and then they see it and are, are blown away. Um, you know, so I, I would put tailgating is probably the number one thing and, and how loud it is. Everyone hears about it. But until you get in there and see how loud it is and hear how loud it is, it, it is really something. And teams try to simulate it coming into the playoffs, and it's really hard to do, and they, they're not successful doing it. You know, I also want to give a little love to your family. I always like to to let our, the guests talk about that. You're married and you have two kids, so yeah. you know what, what would you like to share about them? Oh, that's great. Uh, my wife, Stephanie, uh, works in the school district here in Fargo. She's a school counselor, uh, very supportive. Like you mentioned, I have a busy schedule. So, uh, you know, I'm gone a lot. I'm almost like a, a coach in that regard where, uh, you know, she has to almost be like a coach's wife where, I'm, you know, <laughs> during football season, I'm not around a lot. Uh, you know, Sunday mornings, I'm doing a TV show live around the state. And, you know, so I don't get to go to church with her and stuff. So, you know, yeah, she has to make a lot of sacrifices. And our, our kids, uh, Jay just turned seven. He's in the first grade. You know, he loves sports, uh, probably through osmosis a little bit because I'm watching sports all the time. And uh, he picks up little things. And, you know, it's kind of fun uh, to have him around and, you know, watch a game with him and have him ask questions. And Libby, our uh, four-year-old girl, she's in uh, pre-kindergarten. Um, she's a bundle of energy. And uh, so when I go home, it's not just sit on the couch and relax and unwind. Yeah. I'm chasing kids to soccer games and baseball games and entertaining kids. And then, uh, you know, really the only quiet time I have is when I go to bed. Makes sense. You know, have you gotten to take Jay yet to any, uh, any of those four teams we talked about? Any, any of their games? Uh, we're planning a trip to spring training in Arizona to go watch the Reds in spring training because, oh, nice. uh, yeah, his name is Jay. And, of course, Jay Bruce played for the yeah. Reds. So there is a tie okay. uh, to why he is named Jay. So, But now Jay Bruce doesn't play for the Reds, of course. You know how pro sports work. So we're we're going to sometime try to track down Jay Bruce because he played in Billings where I'm from. He got a start there, and we, we've got a kick out of that a little bit. But we're going to try to go to a Reds game. Uh, and they're coming to Minneapolis next year. So oh, right good. close to us. So the last time they were in Minneapolis in interleague play was 2003. So we're going to try to go to all those games. So that'll be fun. Well, very nice. Well, if you, if you need any recommendations uh, in Arizona, that's where I'm from. So I know oh. I know the area well. I can recommend restaurants or whatever you need. So Great. I'll get in touch with you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today. I'm looking forward to, to officially meeting you uh, yeah. this Saturday. Uh, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to share or want people to know? Uh, not really. You know, I, I just, uh, I guess I'm passionate about what I do. And, you know, like I said, I don't think there's any aspect of what I do that, uh, you know, I like better or worse than the others. Uh, you know, it's every hour of every day uh, provides something. And, it's a lot of fun. I, I think probably the one thing that people don't realize is I grew up on a farm. Um, you know, I drove 24 miles to high school on a dirt road every day, uh, played a lot of sports. Uh, yeah, I think people are surprised a little bit about that as far as, uh, you know, being in front of a camera. You know, I, I really grew up in the mountains of Montana. Um, and I think if people saw where I came from, it's just great out there. But, uh, you know, I think they'd be surprised at the, the profession that I have, you know, and where I grew up on, on a farm and, and hardworking and in the summer, you know, I didn't have the social life that most kids have playing Little League baseball and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was working on the farm uh, and that taught me a lot of hard work today. But I think that's the one thing that people don't they have no idea uh, where I came from. So how did you get interested in TV then? 
you know, I, I got interested in sports um, and I wanted to talk about sports. Yeah. And uh, that's it, it. That's how it started. I mean, it's that simple. Interesting. Well, again, uh, I look forward to, to seeing you on Saturday. It should be a, a great game. And thanks for taking the time today. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you like what you heard from Jeremy Jorgensen and our MVFC First Single podcast, we invite you to subscribe. Lineupmedia.fm also is home to many other podcasts, shows like Kickin' Life, You're on the Clock, and Baseball Outside the Box. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football's First and Goal with Kelly Bird, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.